Welcome to the Preserving Family Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to equip you to gain inside information and inspiration to help you protect, teach, and guide your family during these turbulent times. Our goal is to provide tools and resources to help you strengthen and preserve your own marriages and families. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Mark and Janie Ogletree. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're excited to be with you. We are excited. We're excited to have you here. You can also join us on Instagram at Preserving Families or join us at PreservingFamilies.org. You want to continue the conversation there. Well, yes. And we're really excited about what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the family and the state of the family. We'll talk about Satan's attack on the family today. We'll talk about some data that explains what's going on with the family today. And we're going to talk more about how to preserve and strengthen the family. Let me start with this uh, story really quick. But about 25 years ago, I was at a national conference. I was a graduate student attending this national conference on the family and really excited to be there. I was going to learn all about fatherhood. I was going to learn about marriage. And I did learn some of that, but what I was really surprised about was how many anti-family messages there were, how many people representing different organizations and groups were opposing the family. And after about three days of that conference, to be honest, I was getting really depressed and quite overwhelmed at that anti-family sentiment. And I was wondering, what are we going to do here? And then it all you know, it all changed for me about, uh, I guess, on Sunday. On that Sunday, there was an invitation sent out to anyone who was a member of our church to come and join us for a church meeting in a hotel room. And so we gathered in this room. There was about 60 people, if I remember. And I remember feeling my hope restored. I remember feeling my faith restored and my belief on the family was, uh, was feeling more solid as I listened to these people share their testimonies about the gospel, but also about the family and their deep beliefs about the family. And I learned that the church would have a role in helping preserve the family in these last days. In fact, one of the things that I, that I remember saying to this day, I shared my testimony, and the only thing I remember saying was quoting President Kimball that the time would come when only those who believe deeply and actively in the family would be able to preserve their families in the midst of the gathering evil around us. And that has stuck with me ever since then, that statement from a prophet. It's prophecy that the day would come, that we would only be able to preserve our families if we believe in the family. And that is the statement. That statement from a prophet, President Kimball, is what we will build this podcast around, strengthening and preserving the family. We, Janie and I, we feel this passion right now to do whatever we can to help to preserve and strengthen the family. Yeah, I know some of our church leaders have asked us to speak out, to use social media, you know, for a means of good, to share the gospel, to share goodness. And we feel like this is our little part to um, promote the family, promote um, attributes and qualities and tools on how to strengthen families to help parents rear their children in this kind of crazy, toxic world we live in. We'll talk about this more in just a second, but you know, the day has come that you really can't fake it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I think back in the day, you know, you just raised your kids and they did good things. <laughs> and I think we live in a little different world. Well, and, and so many people around us were, you know, had families themselves and, and were family people. And 
And I, I think of even the family, the neighborhood I grew up in, in the suburbs of Houston. I think every home was occupied by a mother and father and and uh, and children. And I we know that that's not true today. And so most of us have had some kind of uh, something impact us in terms of family structure. You know, we have divorce. We have issues with gender. We have we often talk about divorce, but I'm a little bit more concerned about just weak marriages and, and families who struggle. What can we do to help them? Right. And 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 today, back in the day when you said families, I think most people thought of the tra- traditional family, a mom, dad, children. And we know that today that's not true. Families come in all shapes and sizes. You know, some are single mothers, single fathers, grandparents are raising grandchildren. You know, many people have step families, which include several sets of parents and different things. So we're looking at all kinds of different families. So when we say family, we're talking about every kind of family, not just the traditional mom, dad, children family. I think I think we would say that our mission is to help provide tools and skills, principles and practices that could help anyone uh, who's trying to uh, have a family or whatever that looks like for them. So years ago, I remember sitting in the meeting when President Hinckley read the proclamation on the family for the first time. And I remember thinking, wow, that's so cool and feeling like this was a big deal. But I also thought, yeah, duh, doesn't everybody believe this? Like, is this something new? Right. But today, we, we looking back, we realize why he gave us this family proclamation. Well, I always think, you know, that prophets are about 20 years ahead of the curve. They just, they see things out there that we don't see. They know things that we don't know. And uh, boy, talk about timely, you know, how timely that proclamation actually has been for us now. Hey, that reminds me of that awesome talk that Elder Anderson gave um, several years ago about when they lived in Florida and they had St. Augustine grass. Yep. The old same grass we grew up with in Houston. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there's a little insect called a mole cricket that mm. grows and that um, destroys that kind of grass if you're not careful. And he said he, one time he was out talking to his neighbor one evening, and the neighbor said, hey, there's a little bug going by. You better spray your lawn. And he said, oh, he thought to himself, I had just sprayed my lawn a few weeks ago. You know, I felt like I didn't have time or money to do it again. So he Mm. just kind of brushed it off. So every morning he said he'd check his lawn. He'd go out in the morning and check it. And it still looked bright green. And he did that for about a week. And he remembered thinking, well, I'm sure that little mole cricket was just passing through my yard on the way to the neighbor's yard. (laughs) (laughs) And he also congratulated himself on not overreacting, you know, to his neighbor's warning. But he said the story had a very sad ending. He came out one morning after about 10 days and like overnight, his lawn was covered in brown spots Mm. and he ran to the garden store, bought the insecticide and he sprayed, but it was too late. There was nothing Mm. he could do. The lawn was ruined. And so then he said in order to return the lawn to its former state, he had to get a whole new crop of sod with tons of long hours and tons of expense. So to quote Elder Anderson, My neighbor's warning was central to my lawn's welfare. He saw things I could not see. He knew things I did not know. He knew that mole crickets lived underground and are active only at night, making my daytime examinations ineffective. He knew that mole crickets did not eat the leaves of the grass, but rather found nourishment in the roots. He knew that these little inch-long creatures could eat a lot of roots before I could ever see the effect above the ground. I paid a dear price for my smug independence. 
such a great story. You know, when you think of, I saw, you know, my neighbor saw things that I did not see. And, and knew things that he didn't that he know. He didn't know. <laughs> and I also, I have that. I have that. I have that feeling all the time that our prophets are seeing things that we don't see. You, you know, you may think even we, any of us may think, okay, we just had a proclamation on the restoration a year or two ago. And what's that about, right? What, were, what are they seeing 20 years down the road from now, which made them feel like that they needed to make that declaration, that bicentennial declaration on the, on the restoration of the gospel? Well, anyway, we do have modern prophets, and I'm grateful that uh, they give us counsel that will help keep us safe. And church officers. And a few years ago, Julie Beck was our General Relief Society president of the church. She gave a wonderful, wonderful message called Teaching the Doctrine of the Family. In that talk, one of the things she said is that in addition to understanding the theology of the family, we need to understand the threats to the family. And if we don't prepare, if we don't, we can't prepare for the battle. And then Sister Beck talks about marriage rates declining, the age of marriage rising, divorce rates rising, out-of-wedlock births growing, just a lot of trends like that. Now, more specifically, just on the decline of marriage, fewer and fewer people are getting married in our country today. In fact, for the first time in our nation's history, and this just happened a little while ago, when you look at adults 18 and over, more people are single today than married. Uh, in fact, more people are cohabitating now than we have married couples in our country. 40% of Americans now believe that marriage is becoming obsolete. And so, wow, marriage is the foundational relationship in our society along with families. And you lose marriage, we'll lose a lot. Family structures changing a lot. We know that families come now in all shapes and sizes. In fact, a, a Deseret News article a few years ago stated that there is no longer any anything such as the traditional American family because there are so many variations of the family today. Birth rates are declining. In fact, the United States was once the envy of the world for birth rates, a birth rate around three or four children per per mother, where today our replacement rate, and by the way, the the fixed replacement rate, if a society wants to replace itself, it's 2.1, which means a mother and a father would need to have two children to replace themselves. Our replacement rate is 1.64, almost the lowest replacement rate wow. in the history of our nation. Wow, that's, that's right. Some of, the, some of the European countries now have higher replacement rates than we do. Reminds me of a family that we knew a few years ago. They were from Germany, and they had three children. And they told me that in Germany, they were like the large family. <laughs> they were like the, what's that uh, family? What, what's the show? The Oh, that have the, like 20 children or something. Yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, they were that for Germany. <laughs> right. Cohabitating. Cohabitation has increased 900% over the past 50 years. We've reached a point in our nation's history that more people are cohabitating, as I said a minute ago, than are married, 59% cohabitating, 50% married. Um, it used to be that no one lived together before marriage, and then one scholar recently said it's like now everyone does. The problem with that is that most cohabitating relationships don't transition into marriage. Only 40% do, wow. so 60% don't. But yet often they those in those relationships... They have, you know, they'll, they'll have children in those relationships. And that becomes interesting now when a child has 
multiple fathers, and so there's Living all kinds of issues. And... Yeah. Wow. Although, yeah, those are big, important topics. Some of the topics also that families deal with on a daily basis, you know, that maybe are a little less important, but still I think are challenging for families, are just a time famine. I, I feel like everybody is spread so thin. Children are in so many activities. Parents are working. Financial stress for families now, you know. Mm -hmm. I feel like with the economy that there's a lot of pressure and financial stress on families. Um, stress and anxiety. I mean, right. we hear that. That's the new buzzword. We hear mm -hmm. that everywhere, right? Everybody's got some form of anxiety or mental health going on in their family. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, if I, I, you know I, sometimes I, I think just the lack of skill, the lack of knowing how to raise a family. You yeah, know, that or, can be frustrating yeah, and intimidating to a lot of people. So this reminds me of uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. The Apostle Paul prophesying, describing our day so perfectly that if you, you know, it's Second uh, Timothy 3, 1 through 5, that uh, this know also, in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall become lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, Fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but de denying the power thereof. From such turn away. I that's a lot, right? That's a lot yeah. to think about. But I, one of my favorite things to do with that is to look at the topical guide uh, references for every one of those verses. Just really quickly, listen to the words; they'll resonate even more. Last days, coveting, pride, contention disobedient to parents, ingratitude, sexual immorality, dishonesty, slanders, without self-control, rebellion, rash, reckless, puffed wow. up, conceited, pleasure, and apostasy. Wow. So it kind of sounds like, you know, it sounds like our day for sure. In fact, I every now and then it kind of sounds like the high school I went to. Uh, <laughs> Ephesians 6, verses 11 through 18, when Paul talks about putting on the whole armor of God. I know a lot of teachers in the church like to dress up in armor when they teach this and talk about arming yourself and protecting yourself, and that's wonderful. But look at verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. This is not a physical battle at least it doesn't feel like it it's certainly a battle against as it says you know rulers of the darkness spiritual wickedness in high places you know we think about the social media political ideas false educational ideology and when it talks about later in that verse you know it talks about having the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the wicked Wow, what are those fiery darts today? You, know, you think of all the fiery darts that are coming at them from every direction. Right, like the ones that we just mentioned, right? Everything from divorce to pornography to anxiety to mental health challenges, time crunch. I mean, anything. It could be anything that's frustrating, you know, the workers of your family. Well, I even thought of it. I was thinking about that the other day, and I thought, what are those fiery darts? And I just thought anything, anything that's intended to destroy faith, anything that's intended to destroy the family. Um, and this is where we come back with Julie Beck and her talk. 
where she says that public policies are being made every day that are anti-family and the definition of a family is changing. She talks about pornography being rampant and that uh, parents being portrayed as inept and out of touch and that there are anti-family media messages everywhere that our youth are being desensitized about the need to form eternal families. And then she said this, and I thought this was so profound and so powerful, but anti-Christ is anti-family. Any doctrine or principle our youth hear from the world that is anti-family, she said, is also anti-Christ. And then she said, it's that clear. That kind of uh, made me think of a quote by Elder Oaks um, that he gave in our last general conference. But he said, Satan's most strenuous opposition is directed at whatever is most important to the Father's plan. Satan seeks to discredit the Savior and divine authority, to nullify the effects of the atonement, to counterfeit revelation, to lead people away from the truth, and to contradict individual accountability, to confuse gender, to undermine marriage, and discourage childbearing. So to tie up what you just said, yes, amen. You know, Satan's goal is to destroy the family. I love, I love what Elder, our, yeah, Elder J. Uh, J. Richard Clark said in conference years ago. It was actually 1989, but he said that the reason why Satan is so obsessed with destroying the family is because it stands for everything he wants and cannot have. He cannot be a husband, a father, or a grandfather. He can't have posterity now or ever. In fact, I love this. He cannot even keep those he's led away from coming back to God. Mm. When I think of that, I just think, you know, we often talk about Satan's great curse is that he would never have a body. And I'm sure there's a lot of, a lot of issues that surround the, you know, the disadvantages and advantages of having a body or not. But I always have believed, and it was taught to me by Douglas Brindley, a great, great mentor at BYU, that Satan's greatest curse actually is that he'll never have a family. That he'll mm. never be a father. He'll never be a husband. He'll never be a grandfather. He'll never hold a baby daughter in his arms and give her a name and a blessing. He'll never be down at the bottom of that escalator when a son or daughter comes home from a mission to greet them. He'll never, ever sit in the temple to watch a son or daughter, a grandson or daughter be married for time and all eternity. He doesn't even know what it would mean to love someone or to be loved by others. I think that's his great curse. And so, of course, like Elder Packer said, that his ultimate purpose is to disrupt, disturb, and destroy the home and the family. And I think he's doing a really good job of it. Years ago, Victor L. Brown said that his ultimate goal is to destroy the family. Why? Because if he does, he would not have just won the battle. He will have won the war. Okay, so we've been talking about how the family is the fundamental unit of society and, on, and the gospel. And now let's talk about how we can combat Satan and his fiery darts going forward in the world that we live in. Um, we are all in the middle of this war. We're all feeling it. Um, I think about Elder Packer's quote about how today is more evil than the times of Sodom and Gomorrah. We live in this world and how, but we live in a world, but how can we live in our world and not of the world? How do we protect our family and children? So parents and grandparents, we have to wake up. We've got to engage in this battle and fortify our children. Yeah. And I think, you know, as we, as we think about how often our children are bombarded by antichrist and anti 
family messages daily. It just reminds me of that statement that Elder Irene made years ago that our, the, our youth are receiving thousands of messages a day that are anti-gospel, anti-family. Which are anti-Christ, right? Right. That we talked about. Right, which means that we need to find equal time to teach and influence and to bring them to the Savior, right? To bring them to Christ. You know, I, I loved, Janie, something you said of, to me earlier uh, today, but you talked about if they have a phone in their hands, they're being bombarded. Ah, absolutely. In fact, we, we, we know that our teenagers, we, you could look this up anywhere you want to, but about seven hours and 22 minutes a day, they're on their phones. Seven, that's a full work day. Seven hours, wow. 22 minutes. Wow. And I think tweens, those between, that was teenagers, but tweens between eight, eight, eight years of age and 12 years of age are four hours and 44 minutes. So they're catching up. Wow. And then when it comes to social media alone, 13-year-olds check their accounts a minimum of 100 times a day. 100 <laughs> times a day. Almost un inconceivable, to use my favorite word from Princess Bride. <laughs> if something's intentional, then it's done on purpose. It's deliberate. It's intended. It's planned. Now, I'm going to quote from one of my favorite family scholars, Bill Dodery, out of the University of Minnesota. He said, the forces pulling on families are just too strong in the modern world, and ultimately we must decide either to steer or to go where the river takes us. And right now, from what we see, there are a lot of families out there, a lot of parents out there that are just simply going where the river takes them. Back to the idea of being asleep at the wheel. Because being a good parent does take work. It does take energy. It, does, it takes effort and sacrifice. And then he shared this, and it's one of my favorite Bill Dodery stories, but he talked about having his family counseling practice really close to the Mississippi River. And he said his analogy or his metaphor is that family life is like putting a canoe into that great body of water. And if you enter the water at St. Paul and don't do anything, you'll end up in New Orleans. But if you want to go north or even stay in St. Paul, you have to work hard. You have to have a plan. And in the same way, if you get married or have a child without a working plan for your family's journey, you will likely head south towards less closeness, less meaning, and less joy over time. A family like a canoe must be steered or paddled, or it will not take you where you want to go. And the natural drift of where the world is going is a scary idea for me as a father. I'm quoting myself now, right, as a father and a grandfather. And then back to Bill Dodery, only an intentional family has a fighting chance to maintain and increase its sense of connection, meaning, and purpose over the years. So we want to be intentional. We want to have a plan. We want to be purposeful. I don't think families can wing it anymore. Back in the old days, I think you could wing it. I think you could uh, wing marriage. I think you could roll the dice and hope for the best with parenting because most of the families that surrounded you had children as well, and you're in it together. But now the current is so strong that if we are not paddling and giving it all of our might and effort, we are going to end up in the Gulf of Mexico. And by the way, not the Caribbean, not uh, the Cayman Islands, <laughs> just the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. And so as we've talked about all the problems and all of the fiery darts and all the things in this toxic world that we live in, that is the purpose of this podcast is we want to give tools. We want to strengthen families. We want to strengthen parents, grandparents, give skills, give hope, all those things to encourage and build up and preserve our families. We are, we are really excited about that, by the way. It's, it's a proactive approach, right? I've learned that in my counseling practice over the last 30 years that that talking and dealing and helping families with their concerns 
it's wonderful and it's helpful, but how much better to deal with those challenges on the preventative side versus the reactive side? So we want to we want to try to prevent. On this podcast, one of the things we're looking forward to is some of the guests that will be coming on our program. They're excited to come on and share some of their ideas. And we're so grateful that so many people have been willing to step forward and say, hey, count me in. I will do whatever I can to help. Yeah, I love that. So many people are passionate about the family and anxious to help other people and share their experience and expertise. So we're super excited about future podcasts coming up. So one of our mantras is, you know, building off the acronym of LDS, Latter-day Saints, we also feel strongly about something Brent Barlow said years ago, that LDS also stands for let's do something. So what can we do? What's a great takeaway of what we can do to strengthen the family? Now, here's one that I have right here. One, one takeaway for our audience today is to have a plan, to be intentional, to have a purpose. We won't go macro here. Let's keep it small. What's one thing that you could do this week with your family? Something that you could do to strengthen spiritually? Something or just to have fun? Just to develop some family cohesion? What is it that you could do? Right. Maybe in your family, it's as easy as just maybe having a dinner together this week or just pulling your kids aside and doing something for 10 minutes. You know, if you're one of those families that are going in a million different directions. So every family is going to be different, but do something intentional. Sit down, plan it, and do it. So let's do something. I love that. LDS. Right. And it doesn't have to be, you know, the plan for 2023. It could be the plan just for this the first, week or yeah, today. This, this week, exactly. <laughs> I love the idea. And I love I love the second idea that maybe there was something in this podcast that you could share with your family. Maybe there's something you heard today that you could share or teach or share your passion with your family. Start off small. So I think the third thing we can do if you're looking for ideas is to really be intentional about turning your family to Christ. If the world is turning our family and children away from Christ, Antichrist, we want to turn them towards Christ. So um, I think we need to be intentional in that way. We can't personally save our families or our children. Only the Savior can, can save our family and children. So let's point them to the Savior. Let me close today, because it's football season, by sharing an experience that I had recently. I've really enjoyed watching my son coach his son. It feels like it was literally two weeks ago that I was coaching my son, and now watching him coach his son, who's 11, who's, uh, 11 years old, has been a highlight for me. I really love being a part of that. About two weeks ago, they were in a game, and as you may know about football, if the offensive line doesn't do their job, which is to block, nothing will work, right? There's no passing. There's no running the ball. There's nothing. Nothing's going to work, and the offensive line wasn't blocking. They were kind of just standing up, and then the defensive players, the defensive linemen would just run right past them, and I could tell my son was getting frustrated. He called those offensive linemen over to the, <laughs> to the sidelines, and he asked them. He said, guys, why aren't you blocking anyone? And they didn't say anything. They just stood there and looked at him. Then he said, no, I'm serious. I really want to know why you're not blocking anybody. And uh, finally, one of them had the guts to speak up, and uh, he said, well, there was just so many of them. There's just so many. I don't know who to block. And he said, in fact, there's two guys in front of me. And my son said, so your choice was just to let both of them run right past you? No, we're not going to do that. He said, just hit somebody, hit anybody, block somebody. And he just encouraged those linemen. If there's someone in front of you, block them. Don't sit and 
wonder if the next guy's going to do it or or if that's not your job just just take the bull by the horns be proactive and if there's someone on the other team moving towards you block them and i thought what a great analogy for us today we're talking about let's do something let's be proactive let's engage in the battle let's 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 do something let's help let's preserve the family let's strengthen the family and whatever that looks like for you do something today that will help strengthen your family well that's the end of our first episode we're uh, we're glad that you could join us today we look forward to being with you again next week for more content like this to come and remember everyone we're here to act and not be acted upon we'll see you next week